This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest of my podcast this week is Stephen Lowich, Director of Performance Solutions at Qualigens International. And so Qualigens as a whole, historically, was a talent acquisition consulting shop. So we've been hiring and helping people build out their teams for 20 years. Now what? How do we reduce churn? How do we get the best out of the people that we're bringing on board? How do we optimize the team and make sure everyone is performing to the best of their ability, just like we expect from our technology. So the main problem is, think about when you buy Salesforce, let's say. So you go buy Salesforce off the shelf CRM. Yeah. You're gonna optimize it until it's perfect for your business objectives, right? You're gonna customize the hell out of it. You're gonna have a whole lot of fun doing so. But when we go hire people, we put them on the shelf and we do nothing. This is Steven. He's a Fortune 500 consultant, a serial entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and a coach who generated his first 1 million in revenue when he was 19. As the founder and CEO of 21Leap and the Empire Project, he uses his expertise to grow and scale technology companies around the globe. He's an official member of the Forbes Business Development and Sales Council. He also acts as the director of performance solutions at Qualigens International. Qualigens combines the people analytics technology with consulting to optimize talent at leading organizations. And their aim is to build high-performing teams. I got intrigued by the approach that Qualigens is taking towards recruitment, and hence I invited Stephen to my podcast. We explore what is broken in the process of hiring people, why there is an 80% chance of getting it wrong, and what needs to change in order to get it right. During this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, why technology should not be focused on getting the most out of people, but instead getting the best out of them. Secondly, how we can create exponential impact by combining the three T's, tactics, talent, and technology. And thirdly, why CEOs need a mindset change around what drives growth. So Steven, thank you very much for joining my podcast today. We spoke earlier on around a completely different subject, and that's where you introduced me to the company that you represent, Qualigens. Well, by looking further into what your company does, and I like a couple of the bold statements on your website, I decided to, interview, to, well, to invite you to my podcast because I think what the company brings to market is very close to the purpose of the podcast, which is where technology and the value we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. But before we start, a little bit about you. What would be the, the words 
the three words to describe you as a person? That's interesting. Number one, thank you for having me on the podcast. I do appreciate it. Three words to describe me. I would say sales, technology, consulting. <laughs> That's about as close as I can get to three words, man. It's three words. So, uh, <laughs> explain. So sales is my background, enterprise B2B sales. I started when I was really young, around 16 or so in enterprise sales, which evolved very quickly into consulting. And I think consulting and sales, when done right, they go hand in hand. I have a very yeah. consultative sales approach, yeah. very people-oriented, personalized sales concepts and methodologies that I preach. But then you bring technology in it and it's the, you know, it's the idea of is sales an art or a science? Well, it's both. So you have the consulting side, which is obviously more art, but then I like to interject science where possible, which is with the technology. So sales consulting and technology, I think are probably the three best words to describe it. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about Qualogens and primarily the area that you represent. What is the big idea behind it? Good question. So Qualigens as a whole historically was a talent acquisition consulting shop. So, and I say consulting because it wasn't, usually you get bucketed with like a recruiter, right? It was a lot more intelligence and consultative than what you would expect. So for example, let's say theoretically Facebook wants to go recruit from Apple. We would actually, the team would call in and actually gather the entire Apple organizational chart that's relevant go recruit them strategically and align that with the business objectives that Facebook was targeting, right? So we've been doing that for 20 years. I was actually with the company for five, left for a little bit, mm -hmm. and I was brought back to run our Qualigence Performance Solutions Division. Basically, okay, so we've been hiring and helping people build out their teams for 20 years. Now what? How do we reduce churn? How do we get the best out of the people that we're bringing on board? How do we optimize the team and make sure everyone is performing to the best of their ability, just like we expect from our technology? Exactly. So that's how it started. And I mean, so what was the problem that you saw in the marketplace and how is this division solving this? Good question. So the main problem is think about when you buy Salesforce, let's say. So you go buy Salesforce off the shelf CRM. Yeah. You're going to optimize it until it's perfect for your business objectives, right? You're going to customize the hell out of it. You're going to have a whole lot of fun doing so. But when we go hire people, we put them on the shelf and we do nothing. <laughs> it's do your job day in and day out. We're going to throw some beanbag chairs and foosball tables at you because that's the cool techie thing to do lately. But we're not actually going to really optimize the team's performance more than looking at some simple conversion rates. We're not going to really focus on alignment. We're not going to focus on, well, do your drives actually match up? And let's even look at, can we put numbers to culture? Can we actually have cultural analytics? Well, that's what we're doing over at Qualigence. We're partnered with a technology company that's been around for about 70 years, started as a military research project, trying to figure out the difference between a mediocre bomber and fighter pilot versus an extraordinary bomber and fighter pilot back in World War II. So it's really about, it's not a personality test. It's more about what actually drives me, what drives you, how do those drives interact? How are we going to collaborate better, communicate better, just get things done more efficiently and effectively? 
And of course, you have all the analytics, but how do you actually apply that at a practical level to the business? That's what we're bringing to the table. And so you're bringing together, first of all, the consultancy part, and now you're bringing in the technology part. Does that mean that like one plus one equals more than two? Exactly. If you can align technology and people, yeah. what's stopping you? <laughs> so there's this idea of discretionary effort. We can all find people that can put a button seat and do a job to the minimum, right? Yeah. But is the minimum truly the best that this person can provide? Notice I said the best too, not the most. Because that's when we start talking about, you know, call center mentalities in a corporate environment. Yep. But how do you get the best out of your people? Well, if you have two people doing their absolute best, not just the minimum, yeah, I would say that equals three or four, right? Yep. And when you have technology to back it up and prove it, and technology to help basically make your talent optimization more efficient and get the best out of people sooner as opposed to later and just through trial and error, I would absolutely say that one plus one is more like three. Yeah. So how does the technology component come in then? I mean, and what does the technology then do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so a couple of things. Let's talk through the life cycle of someone coming on board to your company. Yeah. So number one, what's interesting is when you have a resume and an interview, let's even say that you get fancy and do behavioral-based interviewing. The predictability of the success of that candidate is under 20%. It caps out at about 18, which is atrocious. You have an 80% chance of getting it wrong. <laughs> True, yeah, exactly. So we use initially at the front end, both cognitive and behavioral-based assessments. They have over 500 validation studies. The accuracy is there. But when you combine both of those with, of course, yes, a resume and interviews, you get closer to the 60% mark. It's about 57, 58%. Yeah. Nothing's ever going to predict the success 100%. I would run from anything that says they can, but obviously you're taking that percentage in and making it exponentially greater. So that's number one. All right, now you bring somebody on. Are they aligned with the team properly? Are they going to communicate the best with their manager? Are they working in the most effective way possible with their team? Well, we can compare everybody's behavioral and cognitive assessments and essentially go through what we call talent optimization, making sure that everyone is communicating and working together effectively. Then we start to look at, okay, so let's say I'm a CEO, I'm growing fast, I'm a SaaS company that's skyrocketing. We're gonna grow exponentially, but we wanna keep the culture that we have. What do we do? I was just talking to a 1,500 person tech company in Silicon Valley the other day, and they're going through this exact pain point. We're about to triple in the next three years, what do we do? Well, that's actually pretty straightforward. If we can put cultural analytics in place, now you can make sure that the team that you bring on aligns with that culture and it doesn't change. So now we're looking at it from a recruitment standpoint, higher. We're looking at it from a, an inspiring standpoint. How do you get the best out of your people? And we have cultural analytics. So when you're looking at it on a regular basis, of course, when you're hiring, and then as you're trying to manage your team and as you're looking at culture design, that's where we start to make this very practical. Pretty interesting. So what is the opportunity if we get this right? Because I mean, I, are there a lot of organizations that are taking it from this perspective already? Because I mean, I can, let, let me rewind. My history is, is with enterprise resource planning systems. And a good portion of that is an HR system, an HR back office system, which is making sure that everybody does the process in the right way. It has nothing to do with performance of people. 
Nope. And of course, this is a big, big thing these days. There's, there's the war for talent. So people, first of all, are fighting for the right, the right people in the first place. But of course, there's the whole thing around retaining people and so on. I mean, I can imagine that this is helping here, but how does you, do you see that in practice? Is this becoming competitive advantage to organizations that you serve? Yeah, big time. So let's talk about the war on talent. I fully agree with you on each piece that you just mentioned. In about, I think it was 2008, statistically, there were 40 job applicants per job requisition, right? Like that's huge. You have pickings of your choice. Now at the last jobs report I saw, it was 0.8. That's awful, right? Absolutely atrocious. It's because obviously unemployment's low. We have skills going up, et cetera, whatever you want to attribute it to. We have less people in the workforce that need a job. So you may say, well, geez, I need to pick whoever I can get. I I can't be too choosy, right? Well, ultimately, if you have people that don't want to leave because you took the time to hire right in the first place, geez, you may not have as many issues. (laughs) If that person enjoys going to work because they find purpose in what they're doing, and statistically, when you look, most people quit their boss. They do not quit the, the company. They quit their boss. Statistics show that people quit due to their manager for more than any other reason. So if you get your team down right, if you get your management down right, your culture down right, and you're hiring people that align with all of those, your recruitment problem starts to decrease. Is it ever going to go away 100%? No. Sure. Especially if you're growing, you're always going to need more. But at the end of the day, that now solves your retention and your recruitment problem. But I think there's an even bigger problem that you mentioned. So ERPs are great. And you need a lot of HR data like cost per hire, time to fill, you know, make sure everyone is treated the same from a process standpoint so you don't have the EOC breathing down your neck, all that fun stuff, right? Yep. But is that really all we should be measuring? Like is a recruiter's metrics, should a recruiter's metrics solely be based on how quickly did they put a button seat and how cheaply? Probably not. There's nothing tied to, okay, well, are we hiring people that perform long-term? What about a, and I'm not saying that there's a perfect way to measure any of this, but let's start to look at at some of the reasons we have bad hiring and, and a lack of talent optimization and frankly, some pretty crappy cultures out there. We're focused on the transactional and solely based on the quantitative We have this many open requisitions. Here's the average time to fill. Here's the cheapest cost possible. Boom, we're awesome. Well, not if it's affecting the entire trajectory and growth of the entire organization. You just shot yourself in the foot. That is true. I would suggest that we're often measuring the very wrong things or at least not measuring enough of the right things. So what would be the right things to measure here? What would be an advice from your end to get it all moving into the right direction? And so one of the conversations coming up with a lot of the enterprise level clients that we're working with is how do I tie predictive index or whatever you're using? Of course, I love predictive index, but it doesn't matter what you're using. How do you tie someone's behavioral profile and cognitive capabilities directly to their performance? So now they're looking at ways to integrate directly into their HRIS and seeing trends over the course of a longer period of time. It's not just, okay, the sales rep hit their quota oh my gosh, over the course of, in fact, DocuSign. Let's talk about DocuSign for a second. I think it was 2013, if I remember correctly. I wasn't a part of this, but DocuSign brought on Predictive Index. Yeah. They attributed, their head of HR attributed 
20% of DocuSign's growth to predictive index. Okay. Some, of, some of that's from hiring, but a lot of that's from optimizing the team that they had and then hiring the right people based on the right behavioral profiles. So if you tie it into the correct HRIS system and you see overall performance, now we're in business. Interesting, yeah. A number of things that you're saying to me are not even connected to who you hire, what you hire. It, it all starts with like, what do you stand for as a company? What is the culture that you want to create? 100%. I think tech companies are going for, uh, so here's what's funny. By the way, I'm not like a workspace planning guy and I actually love the open concept workspace, but let me give you an example. Open concept workspaces are actually statistically proven to decrease collaboration in the workplace. Yet every tech company has them, right? And they're fun. I love it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and bash it. But collaboration, which was the entire purpose of the open concept workspace, has gone down. And then we fill things in with foosball tables, dartboards, free beer, you know, at 4.30 on a Friday, that sort of a deal. And none of those are bad. I'm not going to sit here and bash any of them. Uh-huh. But we're basically trying to throw perks at our team instead of giving them a legitimate vision that they can attach to. Exactly. Why do we have so many? What was that? That's where it starts. It starts not with perks you have, but it's the, like, what do you stand for as a company? What are we, are, what are we creating together? 100%. So you need to figure out what the vision is, right? Mission and vision statements, if you will. And I know you do a ton of work in value proposition and helping define and communicate that, which is awesome, Right. That's the first part of the battle. So then let's make it a little more practical even after that. Okay, so you have the vision clearly identified. Now you need to go hire, I don't know, let's say a head of sales for kicks and giggles. You go hire a head of sales. When someone, when you go to a recruiter and say, all right, I need a head of sales, and they ask you to describe it, you're probably going to read off essentially bullet points that should be on a job description, right? Yeah, well, they should be responsible for growth. They should be responsible for this, that, and the other. And, and that's 100% correct. But once the last time someone asked you, well, what do you want in this head of sales? And you responded with, well, I really want them to be driven more by collaboration than just independent leadership because I don't want them to, you know, roll anybody over. I think they should be really flexible because we are a tech startup or conversely, man, we're all collaborative and we're really good at that. We need someone that's hard charging and can pull us all together and just move us forward. And then we're a tech startup and we're super flexible, but we need someone to come in and help us that's very process driven, but not just somebody that can like put in process, but who's genuinely driven that way and their brain works that way. They can kind of help us figure our own crap out. No one does that. True. Yeah. It goes beyond the experience parts and the skills parts and the, and the credentials based on, for example, what study did you do? It's, it's much more of how are you wired? Yeah. 100%. And don't get me wrong they're both important. You're never going, so think about the person versus the briefcase, right? You have people, they're made up of two pieces. The briefcase is their skill set and, you know, what's on their resume. Very important. Not going to argue against that. But you still have the person, which is how they're wired. Let me give you the perfect example. In a company that I'm actually selling at the moment, I hire the number two sales rep from a Fortune 500 software shop. Okay, so I was doing B2B tech sales consulting and outsourcing. It's a lot of fun. And I hired what I thought would be the most kick-ass salesperson I could possibly get, especially for being a startup, right? Yeah. He burned out in six weeks. Not six months, six weeks. It's because he had the briefcase, but he wasn't the right person in any way, shape, or form. I didn't ask, 
and this is before I got involved with predictive index or the idea of talent optimization or any of it, it was, well, he has the right skills, so maybe he'll do a good job. No, he needed a big environment with a lot of structure, and I'm the antithesis of that. That's not me. That's not how I was running my company at the time. It was never going to work, but I was focused on filling a button seat with the most experience possible, and that's just one example of so many from sales, finance, operations, it doesn't matter. People are just trying to fill a button seat by checking off a couple of bullet points on a job description. <laughs> yeah, it, it goes both ways. I mean, I've been talking to a number of vendors in the recruitment space and the component of cultural fit, at least fit in what the company wants to be and where, where it needs to go in the phase they are, is definitely a component in there. Yeah. What you just said, though, is key. Hire where you want to be or who you want to become, not hire where you're at. So I want to grow, right? I want to build out a sales team and I have a bunch of, let's say, this is hypothetical, a bunch of hard charging sales reps. Well, if I go hire more, that's awesome. Like good for me, but I'm going to get more of the same. At some point you need to reel them back in and say, well, we need operations. We need better technology. We need to track conversions. That's like the polar opposite of a hard charging, go get them sales rep, right? <laughs> Hire with the intent to design a workplace where you want to go, not where you are at now. I think that's where most people get it wrong, especially in the startup space. Yeah, I think I agree with you. <laughs> it's yeah, like we've got the solution and we're there and now we have to consolidate on this. And of course, the thing always goes on and moves on and evolves. And so you need the organization to support that next phase wherever you want to be. So from what you've seen, by taking this approach, first of all, consultancy, then going into tech, and then combining the consultancy and the tech part together, what are you most proud of in terms of the differences that that brings to what you've seen so far? Proud of the differences that I've seen? Yeah. So what I think you have... Well, take a look at enterprise, which is enterprise HR is where I started way back. Okay, so it's all about people, 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 and innovation is a foreign concept. I've worked with some really cool like Fortune 500 tech companies, and their HR department is the same HR department as some of the most old school companies I've ever met with. Oh, yeah. Then you move over to the tech startup space, and it's all about tech and people essentially become a necessary evil, Right. Tech is scalable. You don't want to pay more payroll than you have to. It essentially becomes a necessary evil. Yeah. I'm proud of the fact that I've gotten a bit of the best of both worlds. Let me make a small interruption here. Steven just explained a key trait of a remarkable software business, the ability to create new possibilities that create exponential impact. To identify such opportunities, curiosity is important not only for top leadership, but everywhere around the organization. It's a cultural asset, and every tech company can grow such an asset. If you want to know where you stand and where you should put the focus to unleash the remarkable effect inside your software business, simply do the test. You can find it on valueinspiration.com slash remarkableindex. Back to the interview. People are not a necessary evil. They can be your greatest asset, which is very cheesy to say, but it truly is the case when you get to unlock their best performance. People are the world's biggest expense when you're not getting the best out of them, but when they're simply checking off boxes on yet another job description or whatever the case is. If you truly connect with them and align them the right way and then throw fuel on the fire with technology 
that's a game changer. So I put it in three steps. I call it the T3. You have tactics, which is the overall growth strategy of the company. Then you have talent, which I don't care if you're a tech company or any other type of company, you're built by people. Like AI doesn't just build itself yet. Maybe it will in the future, but it ain't there yet. True. So you need, you need people to pull it off. And then ultimately, tech is what pours fuel on the fire, but it's not going to get you solely to where you want to go. It's when you merge those two. So I think that's, that's definitely what I'm most proud of, being able to help other companies align that, but also seeing it for myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's at the end where it, where it needs to be. You know, it's, every company can be the, the best in their specific area if you align it all in the right way, if you create the leverage. Yeah, and that technology can really help it. I mean, I wrote a blog on this this, you know, this weekend. And part of it is for my book, which is okay. So if you start to do these things right and you then start to apply technology to it, it becomes a flywheel that's hard to stop. Technology is an accelerant. Yeah, exactly. Whether that's the accelerant of failure or accelerant of success, it depends on the people that you have. That's true. Yeah. So based on what you've learned so far, what would be an advice you would give to CEOs or to CHROs in terms of what to do different, how to think different? So those are two different questions, right? CEO versus CHRO. Yeah, CEO true. needs to recognize that the growth strategy comes first. And then you need the people strategy to align with it. Whereas I think the CEO pushes people over to HR and that's it. And that's the extent of their strategy. I have the growth strategy. Now I'm sending it over to HR. HR is looking at it as I have the people strategy, but it's completely 100% removed from the actual business strategy. So it, oftentimes the CHRO doesn't actually really have a seat at the table or they're not taken very seriously. Ultimately, it's because of both parties. It's on both. So I think the most practical advice that I can give would be CHROs need to recognize that they're responsible for setting the trajectory of the company through people. And if all they're focused on is EEOC issues and making sure that everyone's treated the exact same, if that's the extent of their job, they're doing it wrong. If they want to be relevant and have impact on the entire organization and ultimately all the lives and families within that company, they need to make sure that they're genuinely focused on the people strategy in support of growing the all overall company. CEOs need to stop dismissing HR and treating them as you know the black sheep of the family, if you will. They need to actually appreciate that, okay, if I take my people seriously and I actually hook growth up to people, it's game over. So I think it's a mindset change. It's not, oh my gosh, you guys have to get, you know, predictive index or behavioral analytics or any of that. Don't get me wrong. That's all fantastic. But if the mindset around it never changes, you're screwed no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't start with the technology. The technology is like you said, it's the enable, the accelerator, but you have to get your ducks in a row before that. Exactly. So I think the other takeaway is next time you have a job opening, or even you're looking at somebody who is underperforming. Don't just describe the job description. Describe what that person should be doing, or rather how they're wired. How does that person operate? That's a completely different conversation than strictly, well, they should be doing this, this, and this. That's true. Exactly. Yeah, where you start to disconnect from the, the typical things that everybody's looking at. You gave me a couple of interesting thoughts here to noodle on, and I, I guess that's exactly what my audience is going to do with it as well. 
So where can people go to, uh, to find out more about Qualagens and, and say hi to you? Yeah, two things. One, it's actually under construction. I have my own site, stephenloas.com. Right now, though, if you want to know more about Qualagens, Qualagens.com. I run our performance solutions division, which is right, you can find it right on our homepage. By all means, check it out. Drop me a line. More than happy to chat anytime, but it's Qualagens.com. Q-U-A-L-I-G-E-N-C-E. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate the time. Thank you. Likewise. And I hope my audience enjoyed it as much as I did, to be really honest. Talking about that, for those of you that are listening, please share what your thoughts are about the episode. If you have a question for Stephen, just drop us an email. And if you like it, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. And other than that, thanks for tuning in. I had the honor to speak to Stephen Lowitz, Director of Performance Solutions at Qualagens International. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So, With this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.